Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. I've been inviting several experts on recently to talk about teen anxiety. It's something I see a lot in my practice and the statistics support the growing problem. According to Pew Research, three in 10 teens say they feel tense or nervous about their day every or almost every day. Seven in 10 say anxiety and depression is a major problem among people their age. And the number one cause, according to them, of teen anxiety is the pressure to get good grades. Today, I'm joined by parent and teen coach Dana Baker-Williams. Dana specializes in ADHD and anxiety, which are often linked. And today, Dana is going to provide us with some tips for helping us help our teens manage their stress and some strategies for fostering self-confidence and independence the antidotes of anxiety. Welcome, Dana. I am so happy to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So Dana, let's just start. How did you get focused on helping with anxiety and ADHD? Well, it's kind of a funny story. Not really funny, but anxiety is funny, right? (laughs) I was working um, full-time at Yahoo. I was editor-in-chief there. um, And I started to get sick. So I had to come home and go on disability and not work anymore. That wasn't the funny part. But the good part was that um, when I got home, I went to pick up my daughter from kindergarten and her teacher said, oh, I'm so glad you're home now. Maybe the stomach aches will end. And I hadn't heard about any stomach aches. So I thought, hmm, that's not great. So so by being home, I could tune into the home life. And uh, honestly, it was a little rough. She was having tantrums. She couldn't read. She was in kindergarten. She frustrate, got frustrated. As she got older, she couldn't remember her numbers, my birthday, things like that, dates, um, math issues. So I kept asking the teachers about it, and everybody said, no, she's great. But meanwhile, it's elementary school, and she's doing hours of homework yeah. a night. So I finally got her tested, and um, she had anxiety, depression, and uh, ADHD with a learning differential. A memory processing issue hence she couldn't remember phone numbers yeah <laughs> um so anyway it was such a terrible situation honestly i was very alone and overwhelmed mm-hmm. and um kind of at odds with some of my family members who hadn't thought that there was an issue they just thought i was coddling her so we found the right things for her i got her a cbt therapist it was all great medicine which i had not wanted to do necessarily but did and thank god i did Ch- life-changing for her Um, but it was really hard for me. There was nowhere for me to turn, nobody to talk to. Friends don't talk about that stuff. Um, so anyway, I just kept going and it was really difficult. And I decided there was no reason for this to be so hard. I was not the only woman going through this. There had to be others who needed help. And so I decided I was going to go out, learn everything I can and coach other women and parents and teens. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's fantastic because yes, people need a lot of help and you're right. This is not something you post on Facebook and Instagram, right? This is the stuff that you kind of hide in the back behind those pictures. Right. Um, And a lot of people 
you know, I think it's getting better. Fortunately, one of the crazy things that came out of this difficult past year or so is that mental health has become a topic that is becoming normalized. Yes. God, because it's not new. Everyone it's been there this whole time. We're just becoming, you know, realizing and being able to talk about it, which is the only way to heal it. And exactly. It's, it's sitting with it, living with it, but also being able to talk to others and admit it and not think it's this shameful mm. thing where you're just struggling and no one's there to tell you what to do. Like, right. Yeah. I don't know how to parent a neurodivergent child. There's no handbook. Yeah. So you have two kids, you, you raise them the same way. It doesn't work the same way. They don't motivate the same way. They don't have the same working brain. So you just can't parent effectively the same yeah. way. And go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. And then I was just going to say, so that's for the parents. When I'm helping the teens, I'm actually helping them through it. So I'm giving them the coping schools tools. I'm giving them self-soothing tools. Mm -hmm. I'm giving them um, a way to build up the tolerance of anxiety because you can't go through anxiety without, you can't avoid it. You can avoid it if you avoid the issues, but that only reinforces the anxiety. So you want to avoid that avoidance. And that's a hard thing. And it's counterintuitive for a parent and for the teen going through it. Yeah. And so I'm glad you continued because what I was going to ask is kind of you filled in some of what I wanted to ask was, you know, earlier you'd said the word coddling. And that really kind of highlighted something that I hear a lot is we don't know when we're supportive And when we're coddling or making it feeding into the problem, right? And so when you're enabling versus helping, this is such a struggle for parents because everyone wants to help, but we're like, am I making it worse? Am I making it better? So let's start there. How do parents, we see our kids are really anxious and what I'm seeing a lot and you're probably seeing a lot is just school anxiety Oh yeah, being scared to even just too anxious to get to school in the morning. Yes. I'm seeing a lot of, by the way, parents, it's not just your child. It's a it's lot not. of children. This refusal, um, it's school refusal. It has a name now. I know. So, so. okay. So <laughs> what do we do? Our kids don't want to go to school. Ah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's really hard. I find that for me as a parent, um, it was keeping my eye on end game so in the morning when it is just a nightmare and you can't find her shoe and she doesn't want to go and she won't brush her hair um and your husband is yelling because it's time to go to school (laughs) um the end game keep your eye on the ball so does it matter if she's got both shoes on when she gets in the car no not really you know so if she's really young you can just pick her up and go and you just have to deal deal with it. If it's a teenager, it's really hard because you have to have a morning routine. You have to have a communication style with your teen. And that can be very difficult to build, right? Because teens are pushing us away when we're trying to pull them closer because we're worried. So you have to find ways to reframe it. Mm. Um, Not in the moment, because in the moment they're having a, you know, they're upset and all you can do is kind of Soothe them and tell them to take deep breaths and say, I know you don't want to do this. I hear that. So validate them, mm. um, but don't give into it because if you give into it, once you've given in um, and you think you're supporting them, right? And, and, and it's supportive to want to help your kid like that, but 
But when you avoid everything that's a stress for somebody, everything that raises anxiety in them, they don't learn to make it through that anxiety. Yeah. So the next time it comes, it gets more and more and more. Um, it gets bigger mm -hmm. and it turns into panic instead of just anxiety. So the key there is to gently not let them avoid those things. Mm -hmm. And it could be that you build it up slowly with little steps. So maybe you have a goal. Okay, today you go to school. The next day, maybe it's you go to school and you raise your hand once. Um, maybe it's you talk to a teacher. Maybe it's you talk, you have bring a friend home from school. So little steps and whatever that stressor and anxiety trigger is to build up that confidence that they can go through it and they can be okay. So that next time it's not as hard. Yeah. You know? Now I, I think one of the hardest things I'm seeing though, is that we get in the morning and every single morning, our kids and I mean I work with the teens but the teens wake up and it's not that they don't want to go to school they can't in their mind cannot go to school and right. they just they're trying and they I are think, trying. and the parents are frustrated because we don't see them trying we see yes. them not doing it yes. and so we're like just do it and so we want to push them to have them do it, but it ends up being this battle. It does. And so how do we encourage them to go without creating this conflict, which just makes matters worse? Right. So I think some of it is not in the moment. Some of it is building that up, as I said. Some of it is communication style, honestly. Um Teens have different ways of communicating with their parents and parents sort of need to learn those and adapt. So it's sort of like if you're a teacher in the classroom, the great ideal would be you adapt your teaching to how the child learns or their personality. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously for a teacher, that's very hard with that many kids, but that's the key is, is what's that connection you have with your child? Mm -hmm. How do you build on that connection? How do you keep it even if she can't go to school that day? Right. Okay. So then what's the next steps? How do you build that and encourage her and build up her own self-esteem and self-advocacy mm -hmm. so that they can make it through? Um, and, and how do you see and accept as real that this is an anxiety? It is an anxiety attack. It is not something you can talk them through in the moment to go do what you want them to do. What you want to do in the moment is calm them down. So if they're having an attack, accept it as real because it is. They're feeling those physical mm -hmm. sensations. It's not, they're not lying. They're not making it up. They're not just stressed. They're anxious. And that means they're feeling flight and flight. They're not able to think rationally. So you have to appeal to them in a different way. And you have to be there for them and say, I've got you. You can do this. I'm yeah. here with you. How can I help you? What do you need right now? Yeah. Um, and if it's something that they've been through before, point out that they've been through it before. And oh my gosh, do you remember how hard that was and how well you handled that? And do you remember that it felt like it, you were dying and you felt like you were going to be insane? And in a few moments, you weren't. So take that breath. Try to remember that, that moment when you were able to go through it and be better and do better and feel better, not do better, mm -hmm. feel better. Um, yeah. 
I think those are all really important. And, and honestly, giving them those skills, giving them the coping skills. So whether it be grounding techniques where you're seeing, smelling, tasting different things, whether it's giving them something cold to feel, to bring them back into the present moment, it can be as quick as something like that. And then the, once they're out of it, you can move forward. But when they're in it, you can't move forward. Yeah. Uh, muscle relaxation, playing the right music for them if they have music that really soothes them. Having a kind of a toolbox for them mm-hmm. and for you that you know so that you can help them is really, is really, really great. And it's a wonderful thing for them even to be able to bring to school in their backpack a note card or two. If I feel this, take three deep breaths. Because that's all it takes. Three deep breaths yeah. brings down your neurosystem. And you actually calm your body in three deep breaths. So it's what, yeah. 30 seconds? Um, and, and that works. Yeah. And getting them that knowledge that that works. Those yeah. tools is really, really, really imperative. I think to get to that point, and all of these are really great tips, and it is about giving them the skills. I think one of the obstacles that I'm seeing with a lot of parents, and especially dads, I think, um, because I think this is something that they just, you know, tapping into emotions and feelings. Unfortunately, we don't, haven't raised men to really be able to tap into that, not their fault. That's just been how our society has been. But what I hear parents say a lot is they have a belief that their kids are faking it, are manipulating them, are trying to get out of a test that it's not real. They feel like their child is putting on an act to get what they want. And they believe this full on. Absolutely. So how do we know the difference between them manipulating us and trying to get Mm. what they want and them truly suffering? Well, I think, so it is hard to know and you're not, maybe not always going to get it right. Um, But if you, again, I'm going back to that connection with your child and your teen as you've raised them, anxiety isn't something that generally pops up in a serious way all of a sudden, right? So there are clues to look for previously so that if they've already had anxiety, if they're asking what if questions, if they're um, fidgety and worried about things um, early on or get frustrated easily, or they don't like changes in routine. So there's things to look for when they're younger that clue you in. Mm-hmm. Um, when something like COVID happens and they've lost their friends and they don't know how to socialize anymore uh you know some of that is it's anxiety and it's real but it's more covid based in some ways right again you have to if you see your kid having an anxiety attack as opposed to just saying i don't want to go to school right so are they having trouble breathing do they have um are they sort of not focusing on you can they hear you um can you talk to them and say, hey, I know you have a test today. Can, can we just check in on this? Are you, are you not ready for it? Or, you know, are you really, really struggling here? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it sometimes it comes down to asking and sometimes it comes down to trust because you're not always going to get it right, honestly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. are there times they might be wanting to get out of something? Sure, I guess. Um, but I think you know your kid and you have to have faith in them and trust them 
because honestly, if they were to do this a lot and manipulate you, you would know, the teacher would know, you'd know what was going on in the classroom because you have that access to teachers. Yeah. Um, so I think all of that is, is how you know. It's, yeah. it's, you know, your child, you know, your kid. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is trust your gut on that and, and check in with your gut. Cause as a man, that's, I mean, it's easy for me to say, uh, I have a really good gut. Men don't necessarily know how to clue in or aren't in the process of doing it. And they're more push through it, push through it, you know, get up, get up, go, go, go. Mm -hmm. In general, obviously I'm exaggerating. Um, and I think sometimes you have to slow down and take a look. Yeah. I think one of the things too, that I, I always suggest to parents, I said, even if they are manipulating, the question is why do they right. feel the need to manipulate? Exactly. So even if they are manipulating, there's still a problem there that needs to be addressed. That's, That's not point. your kid being a bad kid. No, it's your kid struggling, struggling and having and trying to address something. And that's the way they're doing it. So my answer with that too, is it's always a problem, whether you think they're making it up or not, why are they making it up then? And that and is in itself is a problem, right? And listen to them and validate yes. them because that's really the only way, whether they're faking it or not, um, it's, it's still that, who are they? Who are yeah. you? Who are you trying to raise? What type of a human being? And just stop and listen. Yeah. Because that's how you learn, especially with teens. If you have, if you go into something with your own agenda, it's really hard to then take a step back and listen without trying to fix the problem um, or without trying to tell them it's okay. And, and reassurance, it seems like such a great idea, but if they're actually anxious about something, also does not helpful. And if you just keep saying it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, well, they're not okay, no. right? So, so they're not okay. Yeah. So they're learning. They need. Yeah. And they're learning. You're not going to be the one to turn to because you're not offering help. You're just glossing over how they're feeling. Exactly. And either they don't come to you the next time, yeah. which is generally the truth, right? If you don't validate them and see them and hear them, they know that yeah. they feel that. And so you're not going to be the person they turn to um, and things can get worse. And then yeah. also your connection breaks, right? Because trust Here's one thing parents often are, take a pause at is when I tell them that trust goes both ways. So you need to be able to trust your teen for sure. And hopefully you've built that up through the years. You've pushed independence as you go. But they need to trust you too, which means that they need to know who they're going to and what they're going to find there. And if you're not consistent with that, so that's why I have house rules that are sort of a or B and here, here's the, if then, um, it's really important because if they come to you once with an issue, let's say they drink and you said, I'll long call me, it'll be fine. So they call you and you explode on them, which is obviously something people do because either they're angry more often than not, they're worried. Right. And we, as parents, when we're worried, sometimes act as if we're angry, mm -hmm. but either way they're seeing the anger. And so are they going to call you the next time? Nope. And then you have communication skills going like this. Your connection is widening. 
And that's a huge change. And it's a really hard change to fix later. Yeah. And I think a lot of kids, I mean, a lot of the teens that I talk to that are struggling with anxiety and depression, the reason they don't tell their parents, I hear two main reasons. They don't want to disappoint and burden their parents. They, I mean, they don't want to add to the pressure and they don't believe their parents can help. Right. Right. And they don't think their parents will be there for them. Yeah, or and, just know how to help. Yeah, right. or know how to help. And, and honestly, that's part of why I do what I do, right? Because you don't, you're not born with this knowledge and there's not a handbook. So how do you figure it out when you're going through a tough time? If you can't really talk to your partner because they don't see it or they don't understand it. And generally, you know, you don't talk to your friends, your family friends, because again, parents, you know, couples, the whole, the whole thing. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think something that's going on today, both with COVID, but, but without COVID is this pressure where success seems to be measured by your, um, semester, by your grades, as opposed to something over a lifetime. Right. So that's really hard as a teenager to have on your shoulders. Right. So the grades, the test scores, the getting into the right colleges, um, figuring out what you want to do when you're 17 years old. Well, you know what? Parents, t- take a breath and try to ease that pressure because honestly, they're feeling that at high school alone. You know, they don't need you adding to it. Believe me, they are stressed. They are doing the whole comparison train with their friends. And a tip that I will give over and over again is ease up. They need downtime. They need a place to go that takes that pressure away from them. They go through a whole day at school and sports and everything else. And it's push, 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 push. And yeah, you may need to support your kid and you may feel like you need to nag, but there are better ways to help them and get the results that you want than nagging and putting more pressure on them. Yeah. I I kind of always say we focus so much on what we want them to do and we lose sight of what they need from us to help them succeed. And so when we switch that into how can I help them rather than what do I want them to do for me, it flips the whole dynamic. It does. It completely flips. And you know, it's funny because if you have ADHD, which I know we're not talking about right now, but um, that ability to motivate a child with ADHD or a teen with ADHD is very different. But one of the things that is a key with all teens is this um how does this help me because they they right then are sort of in this small circle within themselves saying all you want is for me to do this this and this how does that help me so when you make it clear to someone how it helps them because hopefully what you're doing is helping is about them um you know even if it's teaching them laundry right it's Oh, well, you have to go to college, so you need to learn to do your laundry. Um, Budgeting, any of those life skills, there's still a way to tie it back to your child and their needs. Yeah. And if you can take a step back in the moments, especially the big moments where it's, they're at their quote worst, you kind of need to be at your best. And that's hard. That's a hard thing to do as a parent. Yeah. And I think that goes back to managing our own 
anxiety, taking care of ourselves, because first we want, like you just said, we want to show up and give our kids the best of us, not what's left of us. I heard someone else say that. I I wish I knew who it was. I've heard that too. I like it. I'm going to use that. Um, (laughs) So, you know, do that. But the other big thing is it's modeling that self-care is okay. And I think we model to them by our own actions and by the pressures. We're like, you're just laying around. You've got to go do something. Help me out. You've just laying around. I'm like, but laying around is so important. It's self-care. And we move self-care to the very bottom of the priority. And even there, it's bad. And I, sorry. Right now, go. I have a client who said to me yesterday, he's 18, in college, freshman year. And I was trying to get to know him, asking different intake questions. And I asked about himself and his ability to say no. And he said, that's something I would like to change because in my household, it's not okay to say no. And you put everybody else first. And he said, I think it's important to be kind and do that, but I don't know where I fit in that mix. And you know, that was really heartbreaking for me and you, you, that made me look at me and what, what do I do? And what, you know, what do my kids feel like? Because I'm a person who puts everything else before me. It's not what I preach to them. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's, that's really important to keep in mind, um, both taking care of yourself, um, putting yourself in the mix, uh, and that teens need downtime to relax and they need to figure out who they want to be because if they they can't figure that out you certainly can't figure out what you want to do with your life and what kind of college you want to go to and honestly do you want to go to college parents not every single child is meant to go to college there are a lot of other options that are just as good and they can be just as successful i know or more just need to add that in there yeah and i think i i see this constantly because when i ask parents how their kids are doing the first thing i get is what their grades are mm-hmm. i'm like that's mm-hmm. not what i asked because that has no reflection whatsoever oh, on yeah. how your kids are doing but i think we're so focused on that and how they're you know if their kids are improving it's about their grades are improving it's like we have told, we've given our kids the message that if they don't do well in a school, if they get an F on a test, their entire freaking life is ruined. Right. And then you wonder why they're depressed and anxious. Right. Well, their entire life weighs on it's whether just, or not they do okay in geometry class today. Exactly. No, exactly. it doesn't. But we've told them that. And now they believe that. And now it's like, well, life sucks. I know. You know, and, and they don't, they don't love it. They're like, Boy, it seems to me like adulting sucks, right? And I'm like, well, <laughs> why do I want to do this? Yeah. And it's they scary. Yeah. They shouldn't have to choose between doing well and being well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're yeah. going, if they are well, they're going to do better anyway, naturally, right? 100%. Because they can think, because they yeah. can breathe, because they, right. you know, they're exploring themselves and what they like. Because Honestly, if you, once you figure out things that you like, that's huge for you, but it's huge for your parents too, because parents, you can then build on strengths, yeah. right? So, so that's so important. And yeah. just understanding that right now has been a really tough time. 
And we all need to take those breaths. We all need to tune in to who we are and how we're feeling and how our kids are doing. And that doesn't mean how they're doing in the school. I mean, sure, school is a piece of it. Um, and, and school can sometimes tap into something and they might be able to come to you and tell you, hey, your kid isn't that okay right now, right? You know, yeah. he's, um, but if we can put that scaffolding around our children and support them and understand and believe that, yes, that anxiety is real and validation of who they are and what they're feeling in at any time, whether it's anxiety, depression, anger, you know, whatever they're feeling, stop a minute and validate it so they feel heard. And then listen and listen to what's going on underneath too, because they're not telling you necessarily with their voice. They're telling you with their actions. Yeah, very and, much so, because they don't know how to say it any other way. Exactly. And yeah. we don't give them those tools necessarily to be able to even growing up, because yeah. if you're starting young going, oh, don't, oh, don't cry, don't cry, or you're not mad, or you're not sad, you're hungry, and, you know, giving them a bagel, right? I mean, which, yes, absolutely. Sometimes that's exactly right. But what they're hearing is that their feelings don't count and, and that they don't know what they're feeling. Yeah. And that's hard to overcome. No, that is extremely. And I, and I'm sure you hear this in your practice. I hear the same things from teens day after day, after day, after day. And it is their parents don't understand them. Their parents don't listen to them. Their parents don't care about them. They only care about their grades. They don't know what to do to get their parents' approval. Why even bother? I try. Right. Exactly. Every day. Every yeah. day. And the parents want the best for their kids, but they're not hearing them. Right. And and you need to you need to hear them. You need to um, envelop them and, and maybe you take time when your child is you know not just home from school give them the time to go to their room and close their yeah, door that's the worst have a time. snack put on their they're headphones. exhausted after right. school they're, leave yeah. them alone right they're, they're gonna vomit on you if you push right there's just gonna be like <laughs> here's everything that went wrong but <laughs> so yeah. wait till, you know you're in a car wait till bedtime whatever time is sort of calm and then you know, then check in with them, which is different than saying, you know, how did you do today? Yeah. Right. Um, the other thing, <laughs> something parents can do, and I don't know that they will, but I do this with my parents and my teens. I have, I write down the words, the teen writes down the words that everything they're juggling right now. So, you know, test, exam, homework, math. Uh, tutor, SATs, sports, whatever it is, all those things. And they put each one into a balloon. You blow up the balloon, tie it up with that word in it. And then you hand it to the parents and say, keep all of these in the air. Mm. Well, you can't. Mm -hmm. Things fall down. You mm -hmm. cannot handle it all and neither can they all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great way as parents tune in to, oh my gosh, you're right. Look at all you're doing that we just don't think about because we're so used to it and we're not in it anymore. We're not in high school and, you know, high school isn't necessarily what we, what high school was like when we were young anyway. Nobody um, wants to go back to high. So, I don't know. Right, who right, wants to go back? Like middle Yuck. school. Who wants to go to those? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. So I, I love that. that. 
can make you clue in as a parent. That's a really great idea. And I think a lot of it too, we talk so much about building up kids' resiliency and not a lot about how do we stop making them have to be so damn resilient because we're piling so much on them and anxiety and making them so anxious. Like, let's remove that yeah. <laughs> instead yeah, that, of trying to make true. them I mean... stronger to burden all this crap. <laughs> let's take the crap off. <laughs> right, right. Less, less in their Less is okay. Less is or at okay. Least take that. Yeah. Take that weight away from it, that low, right? Yeah. That math test doesn't have to weigh 200 pounds on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a hard, it's it's a big mind shift for parents. Um, it and it is. really is a big mind shift for parents. But when we're able to make that mind shift, it's amazing how much impact that has on our kids and our relationship with our kids. Absolutely. And ways to do that for yourself, right, is, is if you're in the moment and you're about to yell, or you did yell, hello, we all look human. That's a clue to take a step away. And, and maybe you do that. Maybe you go take a breath in another room. Maybe you do yourself a grounding exercise or a self-soothing exercise or mindfulness or take a walk. It's okay to give yourself that break and your team gets that break as well. So when you come back, you're both down a few levels and you can have a conversation instead of a power battle right yeah 100 percent. so dana thank you so much how can people find you and find what you do so my business is called parenting in real life because that's what it is yes, and it is. i've lived it um and i am there to help so it's parentinginreallife.org you can find me on all the social media. It's all on my website. Uh, I have a blog, a free blog that is my writing. I kind of, I'm a writer in my past life. So I write about mental health and I write about parenting and anxiety and ADHD. So you can go there and read all you want and reach out to me. I would love to connect with people because this is a really, really hard time. And parents, you don't know where to turn necessarily. So I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so thankful for that because there's so many parents that need help. So as many of us out there trying to help, exactly. the better. So hope I want parents to find the person that works for them um, yes. and that they really relate to. I think that's really important. And your teen. I think your child really relates to. Absolutely. So any parting words of wisdom for parents with teenagers? Um, stay tuned in. Tune into them, um, listen to them, and not just on the surface because they're not necessarily going to tell you everything. Um, remember that there's more to life than grades in school, and anxiety is real, so validate them. Um, validate everything all the time with them. And that doesn't mean you have to agree with it. <laughs> it just means... I hear that you're really anxious about this test. I hear that you don't want to go to school. Um, and then come up with your advice that you're going to say after that. So I hear and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, support them. Give them that scaffolding. Teach them the life skills. Teach them how to self-advocate. All those things. And support them and wrap them up all the way around. Um, I don't mean in a bubble. I just mean give them those tools all the way through. Yeah. And, and the tools change, and you need to learn them for yourself. 
Um, but connect with them. If you always keep that connection first, I think you're okay. Yeah. Your support and acceptance go far longer and far more helpful than your advice. Uh, absolutely. That's true. <laughs> you're not there to fix it all the time. No. You're there to listen and give them the tools to fix it themselves. <laughs> I know. And it's so hard. It is Dana. so hard. <laughs> I know. I'm so grateful you can join us today, Dana. I'm so glad I did. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy days to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and the helpful strategies Dana shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.